Everybody shout, it's word time. Let's do it. If you have your Bible or your electronic device, lift it above your head and somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life, again, and my life, one more time, and my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. Going to be in the book of John, uh, starting at chapter number five, verses number one, is going to be a foundational text for us. We'll just highlight a couple of thoughts, and at the end, we will come back um, and finish this message off. John chapter number five, verses number one, the Bible declares, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Over here in a minute. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. A blind halt withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years, long years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole. And guess what he did, y'all? He took up his bed and he walked. Father, I want you, I thank you, God, for this opportunity, God, to minister the word of God to your people on the day. Hiding myself now behind the cross that men may not see, give honor, glory to Greg. All glory, all honor goes to you this very hour, Jesus. God, be glorified in this message. Strengthen, encourage, build, and stretch today. Yes, allow us to see the truths of your word, Lord God, and apply them to our lives so that we will never be the same again. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, amen. Love you all so very much on today. Um, let me start with this simple thought on today. Um, God wants to favor your life. God wants to uh, favor your life. He, he, he does. L let, me, let me be a little bit more um, specific. Not just spiritually, not just in heaven, um, not just psychologically healing from past traumas and pain, um, but in particular, financially, God wants to favor your life. Yeah. Yeah, um, and because God desires to bless you, financially favor you, there's a real devil that wants to hinder what it is that God wants to do in your life. And let me tell you why. The devil is intentional whether you realize it or not. I'm going to prove it to you in the word. Whether you realize it or not, the enemy is intentional about stopping the favor that God wants to put on your life is because he knows you got a big heart. 
And if your, if your provision ever match your vision, if your checking account ever matches the heart of giving and serving that you have, the enemy knows that you will bless people and people will not only thank you for what you do, but they'll give honor and glory to the God that blessed you in the first place. So to stop you from your ministry, say it like that, it's, it's not enough to just interrupt your prayer time, interrupt your study time, interrupt your fasting, but what I want to do in particular is make sure that you have a big old heart, but just have no pockets to do what it is that God has placed in your heart. Let me show you in the text. The book of James, chapter number 2, verse number 14, the writer declares, what? Good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fit, you, you encourage them, stay warm, my brother, stay well fed, but does, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Now, I'm reading out of the text here. And the enemy, all he wants you to have is just a good little old encouraging word, but don't want you to be in a position to actually help somebody in the midst of their situation. Let's dive deeper. Ecclesiastes 9.14. There was once a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came, a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge siege works against it. Now there lived in that city a man poor but wise. Everybody shout poor but wise. He was poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom. The man had the wisdom to subdue this powerful, rich king. But the Bible declares, but nobody remembered that poor man. So I said, wisdom is better than strength. Now, we see the context of this particular text, that wisdom can outweigh the riches and the power of the king. But yet, he still highlights something that we need to take note of. Wisdom is better than strength, verse number 16. But the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are no longer heeded. Got the wisdom, but lacked the influence to apply it. So you know a bunch of scriptures. You can quote a lot, but financially, at the end of the day, the enemy is not afraid of your little wisdom if you ain't got no influence. Let's dive deeper. Luke chapter number 10, verse number 30. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, just take, take your time with my pastor tonight. Just, just be patient with him. He owned something. I promise you, I am. Luke chapter number 10, verse number 30, in reply, Jesus said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jer Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now watch this. A man of God, verse number 31, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Now watch this. Another man of God, a Levite, when he came to the place, he saw him passed by on the other side, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came there, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. 34, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, his own transportation, brought him to an inn and took care of him. Now watch this. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. 
The context is compassion, and that's what the Samaritan does. But the truth of the text is the priest and the Levite couldn't have taken care of him anyway. So the devil don't mind you having a good word. Don't mind having you a, a consecrated life, but at the end of the day, my God today, after you pray for them, after you encourage them, God says, I also want you to be in a financial position to do something for them. Can somebody say amen to that? I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. I'm almost there. Acts chapter number three, verse number one. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expected to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold, or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up, man, and walk. Now, now, now let's press pause there for a second and let's give some clarity. The reality is in chapter number three, Peter and John, they are broke. They broke. Do they have spiritual power? Yes. Financial strength? They broke. You know why they broke? For at least 50 days, They've been in hiding and couldn't go to work. Y'all do know that their master got crucified and they were scared that they were going to be next. So they went into hiding for 40 days. When Jesus finally has this final instruction for them, they go into the upper room for the next 10 days and they still stay there. They haven't gone to work. They are broke. So they have no silver or gold to give the man. But, but, but I want to show you something because too many of y'all just camp out right there. Well, Sylvia, I ain't got no silver and gold, but in the name of it, you just stay right there. But I want to take it a little bit deeper. Chapter number four, verse number 33. The Bible declares with great, everybody shout, great power. These men of God are still operating in great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was powerfully at work in them all. 34, that there were no needy persons among them. Watch this. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. Chapter number three, they were broke. Chapter number four, they ain't broke no more. So why in the world are we trying to glorify they broke state in chapter number three? Silver and gold have I not, but such as I have, I give thee. But, but we never go to chapter number four to find out how that God supplied their needs so that they can t continue the work, not in just word, not in just miracles, but also being able to financially support the community. Can somebody say amen to that? Mm. So say it plainly. If you're poor, it's not because God wants you to be poor. If you, and let, let me just deal with that because, because a message like this, I know, and I felt this last week and I didn't address it, but I want to highlight it today. Because when you, when, you, when you minister a message like this, you have two extremes. Here's the first extreme. You have an individual that's financially well off and they literally know people around them that are poor, cannot 
meet their basic needs. And so they'll hear a message like this, especially with the boldness that I'm preaching in, because I'm preaching in the boldness today. And they will accuse me of being insensitive to those who really can't make it. That's one extreme. The other extreme is the individual that find themselves in a poverty state. I do not have the money. I've, the, the situations that have occurred in my life, I've tried to get up, so forth and so on. So, so pastor, you, you looking down on me because of the situation. I, I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. I'm telling you, you might be poor, but you don't have to be. And I don't care how long you've been poor, you don't have to stay poor. And some of y'all are saying amen to that, but in the back of your mind, you're you looking at that scripture where Jesus said, I hear y'all. I hear you. Yeah, yeah that sounds good. You, you, you're doing a little chilly to deal, but at the end of the day, wasn't it my Lord and Savior? Wasn't it my Messiah? In Matthew chapter number 26, verse number 11, he himself declared, the poor you have with you always. So this little stuff that you, 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 you saying, I mean, it's encouraging, it's strengthening, but at the end of the day, I can kind of justify being poor and I can justify folk that are poor around me that everybody, it ain't God's will for everybody not to be in poverty. I hear what you're saying, but based on that scripture, the poor you have with you always, so I take what you say with a grain of salt. I want to help you. So as a teacher of the scripture, this is what I understand that you must do. Every time you hear a New Testament writer or speaker quote an Old Testament scripture, you have to understand what it meant in order to understand what they mean. So just like right now, I can't take this Bible and make it mean something that it never meant. So I apply the same principle to the speakers in the text. Jesus in Matthew chapter number 26, verse number 11, he is quoting an Old Testament scripture in Deuteronomy 1511, where Moses penned, and he says, there will always be poor people in the land. Now, let's put this in context. In order to understand why Moses wrote that, you got to read the preceding verses that built up to that. Chapter number 15, verse number 4, Moses is going to say something that's going to contradict verse number 11. He's going to say, there need be no, no poor people among you. In essence, there shouldn't be any poor among you. This is the same guy that wrote verse number 11. Verse number 4, he says, there shouldn't be any poor people among you. Why? For in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you. Now, I'm going to read the rest of the scriptures up to verse number 11, but there are two principles, and I need you to write, these, write this down, two keys to prosperity that he's going to give them. Number one is going to be their personal obedience to what it is that God has declared for them to, to, to do. Personal obedience. Number two, second key, is going to be the generosity that God is going to prick people's heart around them to give to them and to support them. Now, I need you to hear me. If there's anybody in this place, anybody that's online, that's really in a financially set position, it's two things that has transpired. Number one, there's been some specific instructions that God has given you. 
and you obeyed those instructions and you reaped the harvest of it, number one. Number two, you realize that you ain't get there by yourself. God sent help. Come on, somebody. God spoke to me to begin ministry here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Had nothing, had no support, nothing. So I obeyed what God told me to do. And when I came down here, a man of God saw what I was trying to do, and he watched this. God pricked his heart, and he gave us space in his sanctuary to have our Thursday night Bible studies. So God started dealing with me again. We had Thursday night Bible studies for a couple of months. God says, it's time for you to start a Sunday service. Well, we didn't have any place to meet on a Sunday. So... I said, God, I'm going to obey and I'm going to tell the people that we're getting ready to do Sunday service. I don't know where we're going. So I obeyed what he told me to do. A man of God comes to me and he says, hey, Pastor McGee, I've been using this particular facility. I got about 25 Jamaican members that I've built up in this particular facility. My members don't want, my ministers don't want to go down there. I'm going to give you the church and the 25 members. Now, y'all ain't shouting. But for a brand new pastor, 20, 25 members. So I obeyed, received the harvest, and being God touched somebody to use their power, their wealth, and their influence to bless me. God started dealing with me again, and my staff thought I was straight crazy on this one. Straight crazy, but I know I heard God. We wanted to do an outreach. And we were already having 8.30 and 11 o'clock service. God says do a 2.30 service there. And so we did 8.30 in the morning, 11 o'clock downtown. Then we came here and we did a 2.30 service. I don't know how long we did that, but we obeyed God. And because we obeyed God, we received the harvest and the benefits. And then God touched somebody's heart, the former pastor of this building, and he says, uh, we're about to dissolve as a church, and this is what we want to do. What do you think about inheriting the building that we have now? So I'm telling you, anybody that have achieved any level of significant wealth or, or, or status, two things has happened. Number one, God has challenged you to do something. And when you stepped out on faith and did it, you received the harvest. Number two, God raised up somebody to use their power, their wealth, and their influence to bless you. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. So he's going to say to them, verse number four, there need to be no needy people among you because I'm going to bless you. And he's getting ready to highlight the two ways that he's going to bless them. Verse number five, Deuteronomy 15 and five. If, you, if only you fully obey. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got to obey. You, you got you to obey. If you fully obey the Lord, the God, your God, and are careful to follow all these commands I am giving you today. That's the first part. Now, he's going to spend some, some time on the second part. Verse number seven. If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of, you, in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Nine declares, be careful not mm, to harbor this wicked thought. What's the wicked thought? I put it on your heart to bless them, and you fought to withhold what I told you to do. He says, because if you do that, they, they may then appeal to the Lord against you, and you will be 
found guilty of sin. 10 declares, he reiterates it again, give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. 11, there will always be poor people in the land. Why does he say verse number 11? I'll tell you why. The same two principles for success, my obedience and the people's heart that God is going to touch to bless me. Disobedience in one of those camps leads to poverty in the land. It's either the individual who I told to do something with the finances, with their time, with their talent and treasure, and they chose not to do it, equates to their poverty, or they might be doing what it is that I told them to do, but it's somebody that's supposed to be blessed. Y'all don't understand. I'm telling you that it's somebody that God has already touched their heart to invest in you, to give you the seed money, to, I'm, I'm talking about to open up the doors, to give you the promotion, and watch this. Oh, God, your blessing is being held up because of their disobedience. Your blessing... You've been doing what you're supposed to do. You've been giving. You've been serving. You've been doing all that God has uh, challenged you to do. But at the end of the day, I'm still not where I'm supposed to be. Well, God, I see now it ain't my disobedience. It's somebody. Somebody shall never let my money go. Let it go. Now, well, I, want, I want to challenge you because I've been, uh, 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 as we're preparing for this, this, um, this retreat center, all I've been waiting on is numbers. I've been waiting on numbers, and I finally got numbers. I finally got numbers. I finally got some numbers. Yeah, I ain't even told you, but I finally got numbers. Uh, we had an architect and a contractor come down, architect and an engineer come down a couple of days ago, took him out to the property, and um, he's going to build the plans and all that kind of stuff, and after he build the plans, um, we're going to bid it out to contractors to get the best deal, and we're going to start a building at a time, building at a time, and um, he looked at me and he said, this total project to do everything you want to do is going to cost you about $6 million. And he started smiling and, you know, cracking jokes and stuff. He was like, you're a serious guy. <laughs> well, brother, you just said $6 million. I mean, ain't nothing funny right now. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 was, I was serious. I was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch this. What I did was, I didn't get in fear. I started activating my faith. Because this is what I know. If we as a church just do what we're supposed to do, that, that's all we got. We just do what we're supposed to do. God's going to touch somebody else's heart. And they're going to use their power, their wealth, and their influence to bless us. And we're going to get to the $6 million mark. God's going to send in people, watch this, highest quality of work, but they're going to give us the greatest price. There are going to be some people that's just going to donate material. There are going to be other people that's going to say, you know what, I'm just going to write a check and give it to you. But watch this, watch this. We can't depend on them alone to do what they're supposed to do, and we don't do what God is challenging us to do. Our prosperity as the church depends on our personal, our personal obedience as well as the hearts that God is going to touch to move for us. Can somebody say amen to that? So when he says, the poor you will have with you always, he's highlighting the reality there's, that there's going to be some people, I'm going to challenge them to do certain things, and they're not going to do it. And then there are going to be other people who I'm going to touch their heart to bless, and they're going to disobey me. But look what he said. I want to go back to this, and I'm going to read this a couple of times. Put, put uh, 10 and 11. No, 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 no. I don't want that. Verse number 9, Deuteronomy 15 and 9. Yee, my God. 
Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. After I touched your heart, after I touched your heart, be careful not to harbor the thought to withhold what I told you to give to them. Because watch this, if they then appeal to the Lord against you, and you will be found guilty of sin. My prayer is, God, trouble every brother that's supposed to bless me. Y'all going to do me like that? I ain't stunned y'all. God, trouble every brother that's supposed to bless me. Don't let them sleep until they... Don't let them go to sleep, Lord God, until they do what it is that you call them to do. Because he's going to tell the one that's given to me, watch this. He says that there's a blessing in your obedience and blessing the one that I told you to bless. So it ain't just for me. Not only are they holding up my blessings, they're holding up their own blessings. Now, now, now let's, let's deal with something here. My God, today, I feel good, y'all. And I ain't even have my other juice this morning. I just had my coffee. Yeah, I ain't have my power juice. Mm, this is what the devil wants to do. Um, no, 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 no. This ain't what he wants to do. This is what he's already done. He has, the, everybody shout the devil. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. This, I, I told the intercessory team this morning that this message and, and the past couple of messages, um, I, didn't, I didn't like, I ain't steal this and I, I don't do that. If I do steal a message, I'll tell you that this was inspired by such and such. I ain't steal this, number one. Number two, I ain't studied so good for this. This came to me by revelation. God, like, mapped this thing out for me. So this is what I know is happening to you and to me. That the enemy has stirred somebody's heart to disobedience against you. There are people, my God, did they, I feel like running that were supposed to have been blessed you and the enemy has messed with their hearts and they have withheld, watch this, what God told them to do for you. So, <laughs> hold on, hold on, we gonna, let's, let's, hold on now, let me finish teaching. <laughs> she finna take over my teaching. I'm not going to curse them, but there's something, there's a posture, there's a, there's a mental posture that we must have. And, and, and before, before I go there, let me just say this. this. This is where some of you all are, are struggling, is that you're trying to dictate who God uses to bless you. You can't do that. You can't do that. Brother came to me um, the other day. Uh, actually, it was about, about a month ago, needing $500. He need, and he's a good friend. He's a good friend, good friend. And, and in the past, I've helped him with some situations, but he, he needed to borrow uh, $500. And um, I just told him I can't do it. And the reason I couldn't, I really, really couldn't do it, um, because my money was tied up. Tied up. So when we got ready to take out the loan against, uh, for this property here, watch this. What, <laughs> I should have called some of y'all in that meeting. Because they, they didn't just check out the church finances, they checked out my finances. And I couldn't move a dime. Everything I had had to stay still for an entire month. Yeah, yeah. And then they had a nerd, Pop, they had a nerd. They told it so blunt. She was sweet with it, though. She was sweet and she was blunt. And she was like, first of all, they took out, I think, a half a million dollar policy on me. So just in case you die, we're going to get this paid. And then secondly, 
They told me so plainly. They said, well, well Pastor McGee, just, we just, just want you to know that if, if the church defaults on the loan, we're, we're coming after you. <laughs> I wanted to say, hold on, I need to pick up the phone. Um, bro, Ray, I need you to come out. Yeah, Africa. <laughs> Jasmine, yeah, I need y'all to come and sign some stuff. <laughs> so the brother was looking at me crazy because I didn't, watch this, I didn't feel like I owed him an explanation that my money's tied up and I can't move it because I'm in the middle of a... Uh, uh, business deal. But he got the $500 from somewhere else. So some of y'all are in trouble with folk in your life because you're trying to dictate that this is who God's going to use. And you got, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got to release them. I'm helping somebody. So watch this. Book of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, verse number 17. I'm going to read it, put it in context, and apply it. But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought. Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. Paul says, I wanted to physically come and be with you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly. I, Paul, did again and again. But watch this, 18. But get, who, who blocked them? Who blocked our way? Satan blocked our way. Who is the devil that he's talking about? He's talking about how the spirit, the devil, highlights or prompted the rulers, some Pharisees, some political figures against them. So in essence, the leaders that could have helped you get to uh, uh, Thessalonica are the same leaders that the enemy turned their hearts against you and began to hinder you. And that's what some of you are right now. There are people who have the power to help you. But the enemy has literally turned their hearts against you. So what do you do with that, Apostle Paul? Paul says in verse number, uh, uh, verse number two, so we sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ. So to strengthen and encourage you in your way. Paul said, I wanted to personally come and make impartation into your life. Since we can't come, the work is still, somebody shout, the work's still going to get done. I got today. God's going to raise up somebody else. If my brother continues to be disobedient in what God has told him to do, God is going to raise somebody else up to use their power, their influence, their resources to bless you. Somebody shout, the work's going to get done. And I'm telling you, watch this, I ain't got to curse nobody. The reality is, if, if, if God troubling them, like he said in the text, doesn't move them, what God is going to do, God's going to silence them, and he's going to raise somebody else up to bless me. Somebody shout, it's going to happen just like that. Watch this, 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 7. Or because of these surpassing great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Everybody shout a thorn in my flesh. Now, if you look in almost any commentary, and, and maybe, I'm, maybe I'm just a little too simple, but most commentaries, the author is going to highlight that we don't know what the thorn is. Almost every commentary you look at, he's going to highlight, we don't know what the thorn is. I disagree. I think Paul told us what the thorn was. Look at the language. I was given a thorn in my flesh. What's the next statement? A messenger of what, y'all? Of Satan to torment me. So that means 
the thorn, first of all, had to be an evil spirit. <laughs> so the question is, who had the spirit? Was it Paul or was it somebody else? Because of who he is, I doubt that it was Paul himself who had the evil spirit that was tormenting him. But I believe that it was something evil in somebody else that was trying to hinder him. Now, it's three situations in the text where there's a person that's demonically dis uh, uh, inspired that comes against the Apostle Paul. Uh, we just read one, the, the religious leaders in 1 Thessalonians. Another one is Acts chapter number 16 where there's this little slave girl where the Bible declares for days she was irritating Paul, prophesying to him. Another one is Acts chapter number 13, the sorcerer uh, 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 Elymas, how, how that he was trying to persuade the rulers against the Apostle Paul. All of them were demonically inspired. Paul dealt with them. But in this particular case, it's somebody that's demonically inspired to fight against him. And Paul says, look what he's going to say. I prayed three times for God to take this one away. Just like you, you, you dealt with the slave girl. Just like you dealt with the sorcerer. Just like you dealt with the religious leaders. But God says, ooh, this is so good. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace, everybody shout grace. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, for those who've already done a, a deeper study on this, let me highlight this truth. In the Greek, that word weakness has two, two definitions. Number one, it is a state of sickness or disease. The second definition is the experience of limitations. Most theologians uh, lean towards the first definitions. That's why they come up with ideas like uh, skin disease or eye disease, so forth and so on. But limitation, the second definition, actually fits the context. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect even in your experience of limitation. So God says, this hindrance, this thorn in your flesh, this person that's fighting against you that should have helped you, but is trying to hinder you, number one, I'm allowing it because it's keeping you humble. Number two, I'm strengthening you in the midst of it. Everybody shout, every delay is working in my favor. I wonder will you receive that. Every delay is working in my favor. Again, Deuteronomy 15 and 9, be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. He's, he's challenging the people that he touched. Because if, they, if, if, if the individual you're supposed to give to appeal to me, if they appeal to me, you're going to be found guilty. Now let's, let's go to where we're going. John chapter number 5, verse number 1. This is our foundational text. Anybody getting blessed? Anybody getting blessed? Watch this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, withered. Say it plainly. Verse number 3. In these lay a bunch of poor people poor. By default, they are unable to provide for themselves. So, what are the two keys to prosperity? Number one, what God challenges you to do. Number two, the hearts of the people that he touches to help you, to bless you. So, let's just look at these people and we'll say that they can't, we're not going to say that they can't obey they can't work 
So we're relying on number two for somebody to help them. And so this is what Jesus says. Verse number four, the scripture declares, when an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water, whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. A certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, do you still want to be made whole? Do you still want to be raised up to be able to supply for your own self? That's so a good question for some of y'all. Because some of y'all are so overly dependent on what you expect other folk to do for you that you forgot your own responsibility and accountability of what you could. Look at your neighbor and say, just say could. Could do for yourself. So the question, and it's a true question, do you really want to be financially well off? Do you really want to receive the financial favor of the Lord? And for most of us, it would be yes, but his question is not what folk are going to do for you, who I'm going to use to bless you. What are you going to do for yourself? Because look at my man's response. Jesus says, do you still want it? Look at his response. The important man, verse number seven, answered him, sir, this is the reason I'm stuck in the condition I'm in. Don't ask me about accountability. Don't ask me about what I'm doing for myself. Don't ask me about uh, uh, what, if I'm obeying or not. Here's the real reason I'm in this situation. I have nobody when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, they, they look out for their own selves and they step in the pool. That ain't the question. The question ain't if. Is somebody going to help you? Do you actually still? Y'all messing with me today. Y'all messing with me. Because listen, listen, listen. I need y'all to hear your boy in this place. I don't care what, I don't care what financial level that you're at. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I believe God wants to take you higher. Now, God gave me a word in the, in the month for, for the month of November. It was around August. God gave me the word. I just heard the word. God says that I'm getting ready to manifest financial favor month of November and I spoke the word and it was it was bananas the testimonies that y'all shared to encourage y'all pastor and I, I'm, I don't consider myself to be a prophet I don't I don't but I just hear God I know when I hear God and when I hear him I boldly say what I hear and I heard him say that and the testimonies were great but watch this God ain't done he ain't done so what that means for this house that means no matter what financial state you are, well, Pastor, I'm already a millionaire. Well, congratulations. Now let's become a multimillionaire. Well, I'm already that. Fantastic. Let's become a billionaire. I'm, I'm, all, I'm already that. What's, what's the next step? The trillionaire. What's after trillionaire? Infinity air. <laughs> My man said gazillionaire. I don't know if that's right, but we'll go with it. I don't care whatever financial level that you had, God says... No, no, let me, let me, let me say it how, yeah, I, this is how I hear it. I need you to go higher. Because this, I want to use you to be a blessing to hopeless people who feel like nobody cares for them. And it's a bunch of people that's telling them to put their hope in Jesus. 
But I need somebody with not just the word of hope, but some resources that can actually give them hope, not just spiritually, but also. So this ain't no get rich quick, name it, claim it, prosperity. The devil is absolutely a liar. I'm telling you that God wants to position his people to not only just have words of encouragement, but resources to actually do something. So the, the question to the people of God is, will you be made whole? What are you going to do? If I give you a charge and a challenge, will you, will you just step out on what it is that I'm challenging you to step out on? Let me show you this in the text. Jesus says, do you still want it? Will thou be made whole? He goes to a bunch of excuses as to why he can't and hasn't arrived to the level that he wants to be at. Look what Jesus says, verse number eight. Jesus says, you do something. That's what he said. Don't wait for nobody to help you up. I mean, come on, real, real, real talk, real talk. If Jesus is standing over you, why would you ask him, God, send somebody to give me a hand up? If Jesus is standing over you, I'm telling you today, Jesus standing over you. <laughs> My sister received it. I'm telling Jesus is standing over you. I'll send somebody to help you for the next phase because you'll need help then. But right now, I'm giving you the strength to get up yourself. So I want you to do something. So he says, rise up, take up your bed, and walk. So the question is, verse number nine, verse number nine, verse number nine, are you going to get up? Are, are you going to get up? The Bible, ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done, I promise. I'm almost done. Immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and he did what, y'all? He walked. Now, now, now watch this. Watch this. I got one more scripture and I'm done. So, everybody shout God wants to favor me. Do, do you believe that? Okay, okay, okay. And I know some of y'all still struggling. Go back and hear the message again. Faith comes by. Okay. It's okay. So, so everybody shout again. God wants, God wants to favor me. God wants to favor you, and because God wants to favor you, there's a real enemy that wants this favor to be hindered. Say it again, Pastor. Why? Because the devil knows if a good heart gets a good size of money. Let me come on this side over here. If a good heart, now we, we've all seen evil hearts with good money. But what happens to the world? What happens to your community? What happens to your nonprofit organization when your boss denies somebody their claim and you says, meet me after work at 530? What happens when a good heart gets good money? It's a whole bunch of good that's going to be done in the world, and God's going to get the glory for all of it. So I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that this money don't get in your hands. So here's the first thing he's going to do. As soon as I recognize who God is targeting to use to bless you, I'm coming after him.
Thank you, Jesus. Let me just say this on a side note. Yeah, yeah. My intercessors, why you think you're going through right now? Why you think you're going through? No, real talk, I love you so much, but I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Why you think you're going through? Because, because if there's no Aaron and no her to hold up the man of God's hand, if there's nobody to hold up his hands, watch this, his hands go down and the battle begins to. So let me attack not just the man of God. Let me attack the man that's the people that's supporting the man of God's hand. So the enemy has launched strategic attack. What have we learned thus far about the enemy's attack against people? Number one, God will use the attack for you personally and strengthen your confidence in the midst of the attack. He will use it as a source to humble you because the reality is I'm experiencing blessings that I prayed for, we prayed for 23 years ago. Y'all know the little silly story I tell about my wife and I, we, we was in the hot house, I ain't had no gas in the car, I had just came from work, ain't, ain't no gas in the car, and, and she walking around mad at me, telling me, I'm finna leave you, I'm finna, I'm finna. she packed up her bags, grabbed Aisha like, slanging Aisha like a little dog, I'm, I'm gone, you, you, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this, I'm, I'm gone, and she go out there and sit in the car for like five minutes, and she mad because I ain't ran out the house, and normally I would run after the house, out, out the house, but I didn't because I know we ain't got no gas in the car. So she come back in the house. I can't believe, see, you don't even care about me. You don't even love me. I'm so glad we over that phase, praise the Lord. You, we don't even care about me. You don't even love me. You ain't even run after me when I left. And I said, we ain't got no gas in the car. <laughs> well, we got a little gas now. That's a blessing. But gas 23 years ago was a curse. Because gas in the car 23 years ago, it would have been more than a threat. Y'all would have had a new first lady. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> she wouldn't have been you. Am I, am I making sense? Am I making sense? So God used it to humble us. And things that he, ooh, this is so good. Do, do, you really think, do you really think when we prayed on that prayer, we was waiting on God? I, I, want, you, I want you to understand this. Do you really think... We prayed God. To, I mean, we was, we, was, we was in a situation, and we prayed God. We believed in God. We trusted God, and we were asking God to do something for us financially we couldn't handle at the moment. So we really wasn't waiting on God. God was waiting on us to grow up. So the delay of folk blessing us, it worked in our favor. We got, we, when we got ready to go come to the coast, uh, Apostle Beer prophesied, and he told my wife, he says that, I'm getting, that God's getting ready to bless you for being a good teacher. You know, my wife, she went through the motion. She's like, oh, yes. <laughs> but when we got, she got home, she was like, how am I going to get blessed for being a good teacher? <laughs> Teachers don't get blessed for being good. They get blessed for degrees and experience. That's it. My wife gets a phone call. They offer her, was it 10 or 20? A $20,000 raise to go to another school, and they told her, it's because you're a good teacher. <laughs> Since we needed that 20,000 years before. But we really wasn't waiting on God. God was waiting on us. So, so again, the enemy will attack people that God has assigned to bless you, but you got to understand he will also attack you. Let me, let me show you my final scripture, and I'm out of here, okay? 
Somebody shall bless us, Lord. Book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 4. Mm. The weapons we fight against, the, the weapons we fight with <laughs> are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish. Everybody shout strongholds. strongholds. Say it again, strongholds. strongholds. This out louder, strongholds. strongholds. Five declares, we demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself, uh, sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Everybody shout strongholds. So we know that the enemy is going to attack other people and try to spur disobedience in their hearts concerning and bless us. But this is how the enemy attacks us. He builds up mental strongholds concerning ourselves, our situations, and even God's heart in blessing us. And as long as a stronghold is there, it is often difficult for the money to actually hit your hands. There is a spiritual stronghold of shame that makes you feel unworthy of being blessed and favored by God. So no matter how many doors God opens for you, you're hesitant in going in them because you're always thinking about what he forgave instead of thinking about what he wants to do. So the stronghold of shame, somebody shall cast it down. It's got to be cast down in Jesus' mighty name. There is a stronghold of, there's a better term that I have, but I'm going to use my Novgopodian term. There was a stronghold of po-mouthing. I ain't say th-ing, ph-ing, mouthing. So what happens is God wants to bless you to the point where you're boldly walking through doors. But instead of you doing stuff for yourself, you have this mental being that I should do nothing and everybody else ought to be doing something for me. There is a stronghold of poverty. It's a spirit of poverty that causes you to never grow and to develop in the value and, and, and the management, management of money. So at the end of the day, no matter how much money we give you, it'll always dwindle down to nothing. Look at the st- statistics for, for, for the lottery winners. They go broke in a year. Why? I used to work for the uh, Boy Scouts as a, as a fundraiser and as a recruiter for the Scouts, and it never amazed me. I'd go into schools, and I would, watch this, I would, I would recruit tons of kids and put them in Boy Scout packs and troops. And by the end of the year, that, that pack that had 15 boys that went up to 30, by the end of the year, they backed down to 15. The pack that only had five little boys, and, and, and I grew it to 20. At the end of the year, they only got five boys again. You know why? Because their mindset is only geared to manage five, not 20. 
this church wouldn't start growing until God challenged my mindset. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. I mean, even just little simple stuff, just, just starting out on the stage, because I was so used to a little small, little country church, just, just this little area right here, where I ain't even got to use a microphone. I could just project with my voice, and, and everything would get done. But God said, if you want to grow, people need to see you. So hey, there's times when you need to go on the stage. Stronghold of shame. Stronghold of poverty. Stronghold of greed. Stronghold of greed. Well, in your heart, you got these little manipulated things you do to get money. Here's the thing about this individual. You give God the credit publicly, but God knows privately he didn't do that. The devil told Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship me, all these things, these riches, these treasures, I'll give to them, give them to you. Question ain't if you blessed. Question is, who blessed you? You got you to gotta make the choice to tear it down. The man of God says, pull it down. Pull it down. Pull it down. What, what, does, that, what does that really mean to pull it down? Let me tell you why it's, it's, the challenge is to put it down is because for the believer that's wrestling, there's something spiritual that's possibly sitting on the throne of your heart and that's controlling, sitting on the place that Jesus is supposed to control. So right now, let's just forget about all the folks that God's going to touch to bless us and who he's going to fix to bless us. Let's deal with the portion of our blessings that's actually supposed to come as a result of our obedience. And so, you intend to do what's right, but this is more than just behavior modification. There's a stronghold that you got to cast down and command to go. Now, now wh wh where do you get these strongholds and these, these names from? There's two ways you recognize a demon. Number one, by name. Number two, by function. By name, by function. Jesus says, what is your name? He says, legion. Paul wrote and said that God did not give you the spirit of fear. He wasn't highlighting the name of a demon, but the function of the demon. This particular demon highlights fear on the inside of you. So when I talk about this spirit of shame, when I talk about this spirit of greed, when I talk about this spirit of poet mouthing, I ain't necessarily giving it a name, but it has a function. And the function has to be brought down, somebody shout, in Jesus' name. Now, if this little Sunday school lesson is true, and I believe I got enough word to back it, then my next level of prosperity, everybody shout, next level. Next level. Yep, yep. That's what I'm focused on. I'm focused on next level. I'm grateful for what God has done, but guess what? I'm still breathing. So that means he ain't finished. I'm thankful for what he did last. I'm thankful for what he did in 2022. But this year about to come to a close, bro. My expectation is what he getting ready to do in 2023. So I'm going to let God deal with the folks that he's going to touch to be a blessing to me personally, to be a blessing to this ministry or whatever endeavor. And that should be your, let, let God just handle that. You just stay consistent. 
All I'm going to focus on is keeping my spirit right. And every time I see something developing in my mind that's contrary to the way God wants me to handle business, I'm going to cast it down in Jesus' name. So the question is today, what you need to cast down? I need you to think about it. What you need to, what you need to cast down? Yeah. For some of y'all, it's some language that you have picked up concerning finances that your mama and your mama's mama and your mama's mama's mama has kind of carried on for, for, for decades. And you've been saying it so long, it's now a part of your thinking. So no matter how God blesses you, you always default to what mama and them said. And what God wants to do is greater than what mama and them said. It's what the scriptures already said. For some of you all, it's, it's, a, it's a spirit of poverty where the enemy has you highlighting liabilities more than assets. You can always tell new money. Boy, I'm going there. This, I, know, I know what some folk ain't going to like it at all. I don't care. You know what I do care about? I care about the people I serve being blessed. You can always tell new money. You know how? New money, wear it. New money, wear it. It's on their back. It's on their feet. They driving. They living. And watch this. All of these things are liabilities. None of this build assets. guy walked up to me, he saw some shoes that I had, had on me, like, man, pastor, those shoes is tight, boy, I know how much you pay for them, the devil is a liar, <laughs> y'all don't understand, I never pay full price for liabilities, <laughs> if it's going to depreciate, I might as well go ahead and cut the depreciation in half. Will I pay full price for an asset? Absolutely. Because the value, what it's worth today, give it five years, give it 10 years, it'll be that plus. The poverty mindset I have you to invest in more in liabilities and overlook the assets. The spirit of shame where God is trying to bless you. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting, the spirit of shame, it works the opposite of the spirit of poverty. The spirit of poverty, when you get the new money, you want the bling, bling, bling. But the spirit of shame, you need to be blinging, but you'll be like, no, I just don't want, I'm just, I just. Devil is absolutely a liar. It definitely affected me. When I got my car, it took me two months to drive it. It took me two months. It was on the showroom floor. And they, they was pulling the, the, the little blanket off, and my wife was trying to put it on face. Girl, just, just, just stop. I was, I was ashamed of how, how God blessed me. I was ashamed of what people, what they were going to say. But God had to deal with me. Was you ashamed when you had to shave your head 20 years ago because you couldn't afford a $10 haircut? No, I went in there and I shaved. It's 45 now. It was 10, 23 years ago. No, I went in there and shaved my head. Came out looking good. <laughs> I 
can't study y'all. I got high self-esteem. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> Somebody said you prideful. No, I'm very confident, though. I wasn't ashamed. Then I did what I had to do. Why should I be ashamed of how God's going to bless me? I ain't ashamed. Somebody said I ain't ashamed. Especially when you feet all over the building. Holy Spirit. Thank you. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Jeff, you can come join me on the stage right here. This is what I want to do. Hey, my God today. My God, my God, my God. My God. Come on, let's just clap those hands all over this building. Clap those hands. Clap, clap, clap. This, this is what I'm going to give you an opportunity to do. How do I really deal with, with the stronghold of shame? We'll, we'll get a mic. Let's grab a mic. How, how do I really deal with stronghold of, of, of the spirit of poverty and greed and, and these things that have been messing with my mind? That, that how, how, let's, let's be honest. How many of you all can look back over the past 20 years of your life and you can see negative financial patterns? Come on. Right? It's called a stronghold. That's all it is. It's a stronghold. So it's like if I pour water, the water always takes the same path towards the destination. Why? Because that trench has been built as a stronghold. So if you're seeing those patterns, that means that there's actually, I ain't, I ain't saying that you demonically possess. I am saying that it's something that's messing with you. How you deal with it. How you really deal with it. Here's the first step. You put Jesus back on the throne of your heart and you allow him to be the Lord of your life. He's already your savior, but you allow him to be Lord. And as Lord, through his name, you command whatever that spirit is, whatever that stronghold is, you might not know its name, but you know its function. If you raised your hand and you can look over your life and you said, I, I see patterns over the past 20 years, you speak against the function, the pattern and call it down in Jesus' name. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Now, Father, now in Jesus' name, God, I thank you, Lord, for this word, for this encouragement. God, that today, that somebody's ready, God, to make you the Lord of their lives again and giving you access to the throne of their hearts. God, they themselves, some of them have set on the throne, spirits of control to call their own shots. And then there are some of them who have just yielded to, to, to bad money patterns, bad management to, to, to impulses, emotional impulses when it comes to, to finances. But today, Father, we declare and we decree you as the Lord of our lives. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Everybody shout, Father, forgive me for all of my sins. Say, God, forgive me for how you I failed you. Say, God, forgive me even in how I've dealt with money. Say, Lord, I'm asking you right now, be the Lord of my life. Say, God, rule every area of me. My relationships, my mind, my body, and my finances. Say, Jesus, rule over me. Now pause there for a second and make that prayer personal. Ask him to rule, 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 rule. Because he has final word, final authority. Come on. Ending well. Thank you, Jesus. Never Thank you, Jesus. Never God says, I'm pleased to be your Lord today. I'm pleased. I'm pleased to be your Lord. 
at me. Everybody look up at me. Listen, listen, listen. This is what we're going to do. You can identify a spirit by its name or by its function. And this is what I want you to do. Either you know the name of something that has been troubling you, that has been tormenting you, or you can at least identify its function. If you're one of the ones that raised your hand and said, for the past 20 years, I have known the patterns, that's the function of the adversary against your financial plight. Name the function. So the prayer is going to go simply like this. Father, in the name of Jesus, I command the spirit of, and you put in the name or the function of the thing that's around you, that's been troubling you. And we're going to cast it down now in Jesus' name. Okay, are we ready to do this? You do know, watch this, not only do I have power, but according to the scripture, lo, I give unto you power over all the powers of the enemy. So you don't need me to lay hands on you. The same devil that respects your pastor in the name and authority of Jesus will respect your words against him. Can somebody shout amen to that? Lift both hands right now. Say, Father, thank you for power over my past. Thank you for power over my pain. Say, thank you for power over every evil thing that has tried to hinder my destiny. So right now, in the name of Jesus, Spirit of, you name it, go ahead, name it. Spirit of, I command you to leave me now. Say, Spirit of, get your hands off of my finances, off of my bank account, off of my checkbooks, off of my debit cards. Now, in the name of Jesus, say, Father, I yield myself totally to you. Take control of my life. Be glorified in Jesus' mighty name. If you receive it, come on and put those hands together and make some noise in this place. Come on and bless him.